Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. My name is Jacob Emerson. I'm an editor with Becker's Healthcare, and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Linda Corley, who is the Chief Compliance Officer at Extend Healthcare. Linda is Extend's senior leader in the areas of compliance and reimbursement consulting services. She has more than 25 years of experience working directly for or with hospitals in the area of patient financial services, health information management, and accounting. An experienced hospital accounting manager and accomplished college professor, Linda worked for more than a decade in a leadership role with financial accounting systems in hospitals and physician practices. Linda's experience also includes training accounting professionals, patients, financial services staff, and coders for the medical environment. Linda holds an MBA and is credentialed as an AAPC certified professional coder. She also is a certified revenue cycle representative by HFMA, and is a published author author on PFS and revenue cycle topics. So Linda, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, I am delighted to be here with you. And I think this topic is so important as we begin 2023 because we have new coverage criteria for healthcare services. Certainly we have new regulations as we begin the year uh, in the area of patient responsibility and new reimbursement guidelines. So I see compliance as the most important fundamental program that does affect all of healthcare operations. Uh, I think this afternoon as we discuss the challenges and the requirements, uh, particularly for compliance, it will allow us to understand what is needed for what I call optimum financial returns that, that are certainly compliant uh, with all regulations, with uh, uh, everything that we need uh, to make sure that we are carrying out appropriately in order to be compliant. Fantastic. Well, certainly a lot to get started on and talk about this afternoon, Linda. But the first thing I wanted to ask you about is actually on the RCM <laughs> side. What would you say excellence looks like to you in revenue cycle management for hospitals and health systems? Well, I think it's, it's interesting what we are hearing uh, from all of our customers, all the hospitals and physicians with whom we are working. Of course, patient care or quality of patient care is always at the top of the list. And I think understanding for this year, particularly uh, improving goals for patient satisfaction and just making sure that the services are being provided in the setting uh, and in the manner that the patient is expecting. I think second on the list, we hear about meeting physician and clinician needs, particularly with our uh, systems, making sure they're user-friendly, and then just being sure that our uh, workflow processes are beneficial to that excellent patient care that we are seeking. Um, certainly, our employees are important to us as we begin the year, and, and just reaching for improved performance in those two important categories, revenue generation and optimum cash collection. I think uh, automation is still our focal point, and of course, we want to meet all of these revenue cycle goals uh, and objectives through our compliant procedures and workflows. We want to be sure that compliance is not only carried out or that we are meeting our compliance goals, but documentation certainly pays an important role. So we want to understand 
how we are supporting federal and state regulatory and payer requirements with our documentation. And we'll talk just a little bit about auditing to ensure that the uh, procedures, the processes that we uh, believe are being carried out are also being documented. I see. And just to recap there, Linda, it sounds like when you are talking about excellent RCM in a hospital, you're looking for high patient satisfaction, attentiveness to clinician needs, and then workflows that are actually beneficial within the hospital. Let's talk a little bit about the capabilities or strategies that you think are necessary for success in today's financial environment. Obviously, last year was pretty rough for most hospitals and health systems. So talk to us about setting them up for success as we look forward. Well, again, I think it's a very good question just because of all the changes that we have gone through, uh, not only with COVID, but simply understanding our patient populations. So I believe that where we are today requires more understanding of individual patient insurance coverage. And because uh, more patients' uh, insurance contracts or policies are more detailed and may contain more requirements than we uh, have been used to in the past, whether these are government or private uh, policies, we just need to be down what I call in the weeds with understanding what's required to meet medical necessity and the coverage criteria for each individual patient. One of our 2023 challenges, I believe, is that we do have increasing patient populations that are covered by government-sponsored insurance now in a managed care plan. Of course, both for Medicare with our Advantage plans and Medicaid, generally, excuse me, generally these plans do represent um, somewhat lesser reimbursement for the services we are providing. So adding to that, uh, identification of patient responsibility has grown in importance to us, I believe. If we simply consider the No Surprises Act, uh, you know, that we have been working our way through and making sure that we are being compliant with identifying patient responsibility. Again, I think has grown in importance and requires more detailed procedures to be carried out, uh, even by our patient access department. Uh, I do believe that understanding that patients bear a greater share of the overall financial burden for healthcare is changing somewhat how we operate, not in how we provide those services, but how we understand how the reimbursement is going to be uh, compliantly attained, I would say. We also need to have in place compliant practices for bad debt, uh, both federal and state uh, guidelines to be followed very closely. But putting all of these new requirements together, I think requires additional uh, communication, among our uh, revenue cycle departments, as well as bringing clinicians into the revenue cycle more often than we have in the past. As we provide uh, the best in patient care, the way I would summarize it is that it does require that effectively uh, estimating, communicating I mentioned, 
and then collecting those balances from patients who may be underinsured or who may have a larger out-of-pocket liability. Uh, This knowledge and, of course, the resulting mandated procedures have become, I think, a top priority for all providers in 2023. It's so interesting to hear you talk about all of this, Linda, in the context of where we're at this year, and really that it, it seems that providers need to gain more understanding of payer coverage, like you said, at the individual level, both for public and private plans, which we know nowadays are so integrated with one another. Um, That kind of brings me to our next point that I wanted to talk to you about and what you just touched on as well, the role of compliance programs in this space. How do you think that hospital leaders can pinpoint potential vulnerabilities around compliance, but also how can they ensure that their RCM processes account for and strengthen these weaknesses? Um, I think, as you mentioned, to me, this is one of the most important tasks or activities that we carry on uh, almost daily to ensure compliance. We do have two primary publications that have been in place for some time. Uh, We had the initial model compliance guidance for hospitals that was published back in 1998 by the OIG. And we also had in 2004 supplemental compliance guidance. In those two publications, the OIG offers a set of guidelines that we should consider when developing and implementing a new compliance program and or evaluating an existing one. Um, I think more importantly, in the last several years, the OIG has developed a series of compliance program guidelines, uh, and they just call those compliance program guidances that are directed at various segments of healthcare. They are intended for us to use within the hospital setting to develop and put into daily usage hospital-specific internal controls, again, so that we are monitoring adherence to the applicable statutes, regulations, and the program requirements uh, under which we are seeking reimbursement. The notices are focused on preventing submission of erroneous claims, and of course, we want to stay away from any type of fraud or abuse within our federal and state healthcare programs, because we want to not only understand, but we want to see that those requirements are carried out, as I mentioned, uh, on a daily basis. So obviously a lot of tools that can be put into place to pinpoint vulnerabilities here. Um, But Linda, how do you think that hospital leaders themselves can really determine whether or not those compliance programs, that they're effective at the end of the day? Well, I think you have asked the most difficult question of all. Um, (laughs) The overarching directive to all of us within healthcare, particularly hospitals and other providers, is to develop and maintain a culture of compliance. And to me, that simply means, as I mentioned, not only knowing what the regulations are, but simply on a daily basis, having an uh, active and uh, very knowledgeable methodology 
to determine whether or not activity is in compliance, so to speak. Um, and of course, as a compliance officer, I am most interested in that word integrity. Is every decision that we, uh, as a hospital or as a provider, is every decision we are making, are we considering not only what is best for the patient, best for our healthcare organization, and simply best so that we are able to continue to provide services and make sure that our community receives appropriate patient care. Um, I think this is what makes compliance so complex. Uh, we have a very extremely diverse environment uh, with varying services and how we carry out those services or the methodologies we use are often very different. And, and it, it, it always seems to me that although we as hospitals provide some or many of the same patient services, we may all complete this care through very different models and revenue cycle procedures. Uh, it's interesting to me that every hospital that I work with or go into, we are providing many of the same patient care services, but we are bringing people in, our patients into our hospitals uh, in different locations. We are working with them perhaps on different specialties and certainly uh, using all of the medical knowledge that uh, we are able to uh, take into consideration to meet that patient's needs. I think this does allow for excellent patient care, but I also think it places a lot of just um, responsibility on each individual healthcare system or hospital to understand where they are in meeting uh, the particular risk elements in their environment for the services that are being provided. Got it. So, Linda, just to recap, because like you said, that's a tough question and you just gave some great advice. I want to make sure our listeners really hone in on this. You're saying develop and maintain a culture of compliance, know the regulations and have a methodology in place to review them daily, and then when you're making decisions as a health system or a provider, consider the patient above all here, as well as the system itself and its financial health. The last yeah. thing I want to ask, sorry about that, Linda. The last thing I wanted to ask you, Linda, is benchmarking tools or metrics. Which ones are most necessary to accurately capture performance? Well, I will go back to my um, statement regarding complexity. Uh, of the organization, the healthcare system, and simply understanding uh, compliance. The OIG, I will say again, does recommend that each hospital adapt the objectives and the principles underlying all of these rules that they are giving us that I mentioned in the publications, and then to mold those requirements to their own specific uh, environment or the services they are providing. I think it is difficult, I, I worked on this considerably, to develop or prepare one list of standards that we all should meet. I think compliance requires active involvement in review and evaluation of these publications we discussed 
and keeping up with the revisions. As you know, CMS updates its coverage requirements on a quarterly basis, uh, and other payers we are seeing provide additional guidance for how services should be offered or will be reimbursed on a very frequent basis. So for a hospital, we need to consider ensuring uh, I have some basic um, activities that I would like to mention. And, And we have to not only know what they are, of course, we have to be following them. And as I mentioned to begin with, I'm truly concerned about documentation and how, if audited, we can uh, prove, would be my word, that we are carrying out the requirements uh, in these particular areas. I think keeping in um, very close understanding of the CMS transmittals, they send out program memoranda, of course, uh, almost on a, a weekly, if not monthly basis. We do have OIG advisory opinions, which I think should be reviewed and considered in the areas in which they are going to affect. Uh, Certainly, we see fraud alerts, bulletins, and other guidelines that, that again, I can't stress enough the importance of not only knowing what they say, but putting those regulations and guidelines into place. Um, I think experience that the OIG does publish after its investigations are very important because then we understand what the OIG has found that does not meet our compliance guidelines. Um, Certainly any relevant reports issued by the OIG's Office of Audit Services and simply inspection uh, of each of our systems and or services that are being provided. We do have some new compliance recommendations and a uh, kind of an um, extension or expanded discussion of risk areas for compliance, not only taking into effect all of these changes for hospital payment systems and regulations, but simply looking at our industry practices. Have we identified what is a best practice for our particular organization? Are we looking at how those regulations or statutes are going to be enforced? And then what can we learn about our corporate compliance program, as you mentioned, that does need to be strengthened. Um, These are voluntary guidelines, of course, but I think because they are more recent, they do allow us to understand our particular uh, area of operation uh, for 2023. Uh, I think any audits, identified reimbursement trends that we can identify within our organization Simply tracking uh, payer and patient complaints would give us uh, considerable information regarding how we are performing. And then again, uh, every organization, healthcare organization that we are working with starts out with a set of goals and objectives at the beginning of the year. We want to keep track and understand, are we utilizing our resources to be sure that those objectives are being met? Hospital-specific performance to me, uh, particularly ongoing compliance with the regulations that apply to us, it is the most important. Um, Let's see if I can identify some areas of compliance that I would be looking at my 
uh, history, my trends, any benchmarks. Number one on the list is billing, submission of accurate claims and patient information. Because as we know, uh, we want to be sure that our charge capture is accurate. We are billing the appropriate services. And think about even uh, ICD-10 and how uh, much more specific and patient-related our diagnoses have grown to be sure that, again, we are supporting the care that's being provided to the patient. I think keeping in mind physician referral statutes, if you have uh, parts of your organization or a, a related organization that is owned by physicians that, so that we are sure those are being appropriately met. Um, uh, the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, we have had for a long, long time, but I think with seeing some of our facilities opening new clinics, understanding new services that are being provided by um, outlying organizations that may be related to our healthcare system, we simply want to be sure, again, that our fundamental patient care uh, services and how we are determining not only um, how the patient is cared for, but are we keeping in mind perhaps a, a patient plan of care that is going to be long-term since we are trying to, I think, move away from episodic treatment? Um, certainly HIPAA grows more important every day because of our situation uh, with the integrity or with the security of our patient-protected information. And then, of course, billing Medicare or Medicaid substantially in excess of what the usual charges may be in our area of service or care, I think is also very important. So this is a lot of information, I think, which does allow us to understand how complex, as I mentioned, and how important it is that we see that compliance program being carried out and determining how it is functioning uh, what are our risks? How are we addressing those? And simply making sure that we understand compliance is ongoing in our organization. Well, thank you so much for the thoroughness of that, that last answer, Linda. Some really great advice in there for everyone. And I'm really hearing you urge our listeners to, to just be proactive, stay on top of all these compliance issues, and really adapt federal rules and regulations to your environment and to your services. Linda, any closing thoughts on this topic, on all these topics that we've discussed today that you really want to hit home on for our listeners? Well, I, I think the most important um, statement for me is when the OIG continues to stress uh, that we in healthcare should be ensuring our organization is operating daily within that culture of compliance. To me, culture means we not only understand the rules or the regulations, but we as an individual employee throughout our healthcare organization is focusing on that integrity that we mentioned and simply making sure that when a decision is needed, we are deciding to operate at the highest level of that integrity and to ask questions. The one thing I think that is important 
which we teach all of our employees is it's okay not to know at times. Just be sure that you ask questions so when you make that decision, we have confidence that not only will we be carrying out a compliant practice or process, but we will know that whatever the regulation, whatever the rule, uh, the guidance may have been, we have considered not only how it will affect us, but how will it affect our standing within our organization uh, in making sure that we are compliant in our everyday practices. Fantastic. Well, we covered a broad area and a lot of complicated topics. So, Linda, thank you so much for your time and for this excellent discussion today. Thank you. I enjoyed. I'd also like to thank Extend Healthcare as well for sponsoring this episode. You can tune in to more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page.